Hi, and welcome to the Yes Podcast. Here, we share a collection of real stories told by real people who have said, I am yes. I am young enough to serve. We hope these stories and the lessons in them encourage you and challenge you to get involved in kingdom work in your church, neighborhood, and life. Welcome to Yes. Well, today I am so excited to have a friend that Wes and I met probably about a decade ago. I can't believe that. Chuck Stecker. And Chuck has a ministry called A Chosen Generation, and he absolutely embodies what we try and do through Yes in inspiring people of all ages, but to stay connected with each generation and for sure to help inspire and motivate adults in their second half of life just to serve God full throttle. So here's someone who you won't know by his voice that he's in his second half of life. Chuck is an amazing guy and Wes and I just absolutely love him. So Chuck, thanks so much for carving out some time to be with us today. Judy, I'm thrilled to be with you. You and Wes are two of my heroes for what you're doing. And it's just so important. Your ministry that God has given you is so important. So I'm honored to be with you today and every time we have a chance to connect. Well, thank you. Thank you. So now we have pat each other on the back. (laughs) But uh, Chuck, what I would love for you to do is share with the listeners, just share with them like what it is that is your passion that drives you. My passion, Judy, and thank you for asking, is really connecting the generations. We have to go with a couple of foundational statements first. One is I'm what's called a crazy, and I'm actually a carrier, I hope, and a fanatic, that I actually believe God's Word is absolutely true. And it's basically not just a book, but it's a letter to me personally that God my Father has sent me. And then when he talks about generation to generation, I just take God at his word, and I believe it's a very serious statement. And so we look at this, and my passion, kind of wake up in the morning and I think about it, is that is how do we bring the generations together for God's glory? And we know this. We know seniors do much, much better. Those second half of life that you talk about, Judy, so well, you and Wes, but we just do so much better when we're engaged with younger people. We also know this. Younger people thrive when they're in the presence and they have older people who not just uh, acknowledge their existence because we feel we have to out of obligation, but we're willing to invest in them and uh, pour our lives into them as well. They thrive, and they're actually looking for those opportunities. Well, I love you saying that, Chuck. And I know that one way that you do this is you meet regularly with a group of men. And I don't know if they're like just younger men or if it's a mixed group. How does that work? Well, interesting. Because of my travel schedule, I meet with, I was just having this conversation with someone else. And I said, gosh, how many people do you meet with? Just And I said, well, there's probably in a six-week period, I have anywhere from 12 to 15 people that on a specific one-to-one basis. And those ages range generally from the late teens to guys in their 70s. And we do life together. An awful lot of that is really investing in men much younger than myself, obviously, which is right now 80% of the free world as we know it. And so, you know, it's just spending time with them, pouring into them as best I can. A lot of times it's just listening. You know, you come away from a conversation and I've said very little, and they go, wow, that was one of the best conversations I've had. And you realize I hardly said anything, but they're just uh, so desperate for people who will genuinely listen to them and be there for them 
more than physically, but spiritually and emotionally. Now, Chuck, something that really jumped out to me, probably, oh, this was early on when I met you. So again, we're going back almost 10 years, but I remember you sharing in one of your talks how you were just so good about taking Christ into the marketplace. And you would share stories of how you and your wife, Billy, would go into restaurants. And even now, I I recently heard a story where you just go into a restaurant and you invite the waiter or waitress to join you in prayer. Can you just share something about how, just on a practical level like that, that you are sharing Christ? Oh, my gosh. God put this on my heart back in about 1995, and that was a couple of days ago by most people's (laughs) standards. But it it was one of these things where I just ask the server when they come, and I just, and I'm not a real complicated guy, and I don't get real creative. Maybe that's why I like uh, you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. I just simply say, look, we're going to pray and ask the Lord to bless our time and our food. Can we pray for you? And generally speaking, I've had less than two hands full, meaning 10 people, since 1995 say no or I'm okay. But literally, they'll kind of look at you, and there's that moment when they want to know you're serious or sincere, and they'll go, sure. And and then I will follow it up and say, is there anything in particular that I can pray for for you? And uh, you would be amazed at some of the stories that people are just waiting for someone to ask them that they can share from parents who have cancer to one gal shared that her parents had, that her father had just left their family. The brother, her little brother was really struggling and on and on and on. The stories are just absolutely incredible. And, and for most people, Judy and I, we've had this conversation that people may or may not feel comfortable in doing that and, and so forth. That works for me. But here's the kind of the nuts and bolts of this thing, Judy, is there's a hurting world out there that's just asking, is there anybody that cares? And I remember several years ago, I was teaching on this and I was also teaching about this generational piece. And I said, you know, one of the ways to engage with particularly younger people is this generation has their love for tattoos and piercings and so forth. And it's another area where over the years, I just, you see a young person and older person that has tattoos. And I, and I say the same thing. Every tat has a story. Will you tell me a story? And they look at you and I've, I've told some people, generally speaking, they're going to look at you and go, what? And that's their way of just kind of processing, but actually saying, are you serious, right? Right. And I repeat the exact same thing. And again, the stories that you get, well, several years ago, I was teaching up in the Chicago area. There was an older couple there. And after an extensive conversation on intergenerational, I shared with them on Sunday morning, I come this on a Thursday night, I think, and on Sunday morning, I come to church to speak. And the wife comes in. She says, have you seen my husband? Have you seen him? I said, well, no. She said, oh, you got to talk to him. And they were a much older couple, and they had gone into a restaurant, and he told me, he said, I couldn't remember your exact word. He said to the server, I see you have a tattoo. Could you explain it? And she kind of looked, and I said, what was the first thing she said? And he said, what? And I said, yep, just like we talked about. She went on to explain why her tattoos for her children things of that nature and so forth. And then he looked and she didn't have a ring on. And he said, so are you a single mom? And she says, well, sort of. I've been living with my boyfriend for about three years. He's not the father of my children, but he's like a father and went on. And then she looked at them and asked them, how long have you been married? This couple had been married almost 50 years, 40 some years. And she then went into a conversation about marriage, why it was important and how they could stay married for so long. And he just lit up and he said, never would I have imagined with this young lady with tattoos up both arms, a single mom, having a conversation. But we promised her 
we would come back into that restaurant, which is one of our favorites, mm -hmm. but ask for her by name and to continue this. And he says, God started something I would have never imagined. So there's wow. openings that we have to engage in the lives of others that for the most part, Judy, it's a hurting world and most people are so isolated. They're just looking for somebody who really cares. I love that. So that reminds me, Chuck, of Pastor Derry Northrup uh, lives, I think, near you in Fort Collins. But uh, he was at the door one Sunday of his church, and not he doesn't typically serve as a greeter since he's going to be preaching. But anyway, he was at the door when someone came in, and they were covered with tattoos. And so he welcomed this young girl, and then he said, you must have a wonderful story. I would love to hear it. And so anyway just caught her off guard and so she opened up a little bit to him and everything he escorted her over to the coffee lounge part there where she was going to meet a friend and i wonder how she felt when she said it in the service and then he's the one that goes up to the mic to speak but he she sent him an email that week and said when i came in i had no idea you were the pastor but you stopped and you asked me about my life and i could not even believe that so just thank you chuck for that story that you told of that couple but that's how you live life too that's how you go out and you share christ and you show such an interest in whomever you meet i just absolutely respect that about you so much well judy i just follow on with your story about dairy your listeners need to know that uh, one tremendous man that i know personally pastors a very very significant and we would say large church and for dairy that's the kind of person that he is it's yes. not something he says well, I guess I have to do this. It comes very natural for him. But that part of asking people about their lives and their story. And remember this, when you ask a young person and you just say, hey, every tattoo has a story. Will you mm -hmm. tell me a story? Very often they'll say what? But then the other thing they say, well, where do you want me to start? And I'll always say, well, it's your story. Start wherever you'd like. But they're very personal. And one of the things that's important is thanking them afterwards for trusting you enough for sharing part of your life. And it has led to further conversations, things. And I guess my point on this thing is, I just read a statistic. In fact, this was earlier this morning. I was reading some things. It said that 79% of the people that do not go to church are very open to talking to someone about faith if they'll just ask. Very open to talking about it. Not this idea of pushing things on them, but just to talk about faith issues. 79% of the people that do not go to church are open if someone will ask them and talk to them about faith issues, which really means we say faith, how about we just say life issues, and they have a value. Right. Oh, Chuck, that's profound. And I mean, if we would each really let that sink in, and I, I know for me, like just going out today and thinking 79% of the people that I come in contact with really are open to hearing about God's love. And I think... Just think about this, Judy. When you walk out today, whether it's shopping or whatever you do, four out of five people you see would be open to discussing faith with you. Wow. I think that just really emphasizes how important it is for us Christians to really put on that armor of God and really be prayed up when we go out and just ask God just to help us to be bold in speaking how words that would encourage and just show someone the love of God. You've helped Absolutely. me so much in that area, Chuck, and I just, oh, I just oh. thank you so, so much. Okay, so something else that I just wanted you to share with our listeners is I know that, and on our program page, we'll put the link how to get in contact with you and all that good stuff, but if you could just briefly share 
about the rite of passage you do in partnership with the local church? Great question, because that's why I'm in Illinois right now, is to assist the church in leading them through a rite of passage ceremony at the conclusion of kind of a seminar time frame. What we've realized is, and this actually started when our sons were just in those early teen years, and I knew that God had a plan for them to transition them from childhood to adulthood. Frankly, I knew that I was about as dumb as a rock when that came through. So I really went on a vision quest, seeking God's heart, asking people, trying to learn about this transitional rite of passage. And there are so many rites of passage that we have. Get married, you become an adult, you have children, and on and on. I mean, getting a driver's license is a rite of passage. But in this, what we help the church do is celebrate the becoming an adult that happens to young people and teaching them really the difference between adulthood and maturity and where we've kind of got this backwards. We have a tendency, and really in the church, to tell God to make our kids mature, and when we're satisfied, we'll make them adults. When in fact, God, when he transitions a young person and changes their body, makes them capable of reproducing life, God has transformed the child to an adult, and it's our job to help them become mature. So we go through a weekend experience helping the church with basically five different sessions. We started last night, and it's Raising Men of Honor, Women of Virtue, and it really walks through and explains everything that's going to happen. But interestingly enough, because of the power of the Father's blessing and that need, which Gary Smalley and John wrote in the Trent, Ralph Dahlberg has written in the Family Blessing, and on and on. There's just some extensive work that's been done and shown the spiritual, biblical aspect of the blessing and what that means. We actually culminate the first session with just the current adults, and the pastor leads the way in offering the Father's blessing for those who have never known it. And generally, it's going to run well over 50%, but generally about 70% of the church, including leaders that have never known a Father's blessing. That affirmation when God spoke to his son and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, and affirmed his identity as to who he was and whose he was, that type of thing. So that's what the rite of passage, it culminates with a ceremonial rite of passage where the young people are outside the sanctuary, and one by one they're brought in, they're announced, and their parents say to them over the microphone that this is your father and mother speaking. It is time for you to come out of the darkness and into the light and time to leave your childish ways and come into your godly manhood or womanhood. And that statement about darkness and light isn't about salvation. It's really about one of the things that we teach is anything that's in the darkness, Satan has control and power over. Anything that's brought to light, Satan loses his power and authority over. And in the light is where God wants us to bring things. And so the confusing ideas of what constitutes adulthood and how do you become an adult. And so we walk through that, but really with the goal of launching the relationship in the church with the young people and that the church would see them not as the future, but as the present. And we've worked with, for example, we were up in Washington State on another ministry last week, and the worship team, they have three different worship teams, but the, the, the worship team that was there for that weekend had a young lady that was in ninth grade. And if you would close your eyes and hear her sing, you would never imagine that. Young Autumn is in the ninth grade, and another young lady was in college. But then um, young people and the man leading the worship was in his late 40s. And this mix, 
And the pastor leaned over and he said, you've been working with this church and good friends with the pastor and brother of mine and the Lord. But he said, this started about seven or eight years ago. And they caught this. And he says, the direction that God has taken us in this church from an intergenerational standpoint, he says, that's what your ministry has done. And he says, we see this in everything that we do. We have young people teaching. We have uh, all through this where the generations are mixed, but also just as much as the young people, our seniors have really stepped up because they see their value as well. That we're not just here pushing them to the side saying we're trying to reach another generation or a younger generation. So it's very powerful, but it starts with this ceremonial rite of passage, particularly for the young people, that they see themselves with God's eyes, knowing they're adults, and the issue is becoming mature, not becoming an adult. So that's kind of in a nutshell, Judy. Well, I love, Chuck, how you partner with a local church, and you're doing this with the pastor and his wife, and that you are just helping the local church to just create this culture of being more intergenerational, and I applaud you for that. I just think that's really exciting, and I hope that someone listening or some pastor listening would contact you, because I really believe that this, obviously, it is a win-win for the local church. So, Chuck, if you right now were going to speak to an auditorium full of young people, what is just in a nutshell, what is one key message that you would love to say to the younger generation? Yeah, that's a really great question because probably there's about uh, about three days worth of comments I'd like to make to them. <laughs> but they, the number one thing that I think I would tell them is I believe in you and there's a generation of older adults that believe in you and that you need to realize that very often you will hear the state that you're the future. And I want to suggest to you, you're not the future, you're the present. And I tell them in churches all the time, if you want to see the future, go look in your nursery and your children's ministry. But when you look at the student ministries, our high school young men, it's just like I said, this one young lady was a freshman in high school. She's on the worship team and thrilled with that. I would tell them, quit thinking of yourself as the future when you're the present and be engaged. And that would be the number one thing. And I would tell them that I believe in them, and I absolutely do. And so now let's reverse that. You're in an auditorium filled with adults in their second half of life. What's the main message that you would love to share with those of us that are in the audience that day? You know, the the main message that I would like to share with them is that Satan's going to do everything he can to suppress your value in the kingdom, and he'll do it a number of ways. But what I would tell them is simply this, that you have never been in a better position for God to use you mightily for his glory and his kingdom. And that if you will allow God to use you, I believe that you're in the best ministry years of your entire life, regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you think you've done. This season right now, if you will allow God to use you and step out boldly in this, can be and should be the very best years of ministry you will ever experience. Well, and you fleshed that out, and I just can't say a big enough amen to that. So, oh. Chuck, thank you so much. But you know what? Before you go, this is on a personal level. I just adore your wife, Billy. And I know that you're coming up to, I, I think you guys have been married a few years longer than Wes. I think you're probably close to 40. Is that true? That's exactly right, Jim. Okay, 40 yeah. years of marital bliss. What would you say is a secret to a happy, long marriage like you and Billy have? What's your secret? Okay, let me just, in love, say this. I think there are no secrets to it. God's laid it out very clearly. There you go. So, 
there's a couple of things here. One is, and I, I want to say this for all of our listeners, you know, we get this impression, we look at somebody and their marriage and go, gosh, they've just been walking with the Lord and they came together with the Lord and they go, eh, let's get this right. Both my wife and I had been divorced. I was certainly not walking with the Lord. And I joke about she grew up walking with the Lord, but he let her get just far enough away to meet me. But let me tell you, if she'd been walking with the Lord, she wouldn't have run into me unless she was on a missions trip, okay? So bottom line is that God brought us together and when we walked through and said, you know, made the decision to get married, we made an agreement that we weren't going to separate and we weren't going to divorce. This idea of till death do us part, we would do this. And we've come through, particularly my wife, I got word that the Pope is going to saint her. And uh, she's not even Catholic, so that's a pretty big deal. But in any event, we made a decision that no matter what, and our kids would know this, and we've told them over and over again, there's a lot of things that will change in this world, but one thing that won't change is your mother and I will never separate or divorce. Yeah. And our kids will tell you that uh, through all of the years, tough times and all of this, they always knew that. But here's the other thing, and I heard a guy say this, and he and his wife had been married over 60 years, and someone asked him, what's the secret to being married that long? And he looked out and he said, well, it was real simple. When my wife and I got married, I told her if she ever left me, I was going with her. I think that's just a great statement. <laughs> And so it's one of these things that my wife and I made a decision that no matter what happened and what it was, that we were going to work this thing out, that we were making a commitment and we were going to work this out. And frankly, I think far too many people get married, but they don't make the commitment. I really don't. I think the idea of being married, they look at more as a contract than a covenant. Like we're going to go into this and we agree to a lot of things. And as long as she fulfills her part, then I'm okay on this. And I think if we get back to a covenant relationship that says, no matter what, I'm going to do this and I want my kids. And I, I just think that some of the other parts of this, Judy, is real simple, is that too many couples don't practice for lack, life after kids. And I hear more and more couples that after the kids leave, because they've been so focused on raising their kids together, it's like they have nothing there. And from the early stages, my wife and I made a decision that we, when our son was about, well, he was born in June and in September, we went away for a weekend and left him with a babysitter. People probably could have had us arrested in this day and age for, uh, you know, child abuse. Right. But we knew that if we weren't strong together, we weren't going to be enough for our kids. And so we have, we have practiced that and sometimes not nearly enough, but we've got to really focus on each other. And while Loving my kids is important, and I think they will tell you, I think, they know that I do. The greatest gift that I can give my children, and now our eight grandchildren, is to love their mother. I just, uh, I want them to know that, and uh, I think the greatest gift I can give our children, all three married to their best friends now, and to our grandchildren, is to desperately, wonderfully love their mother and their grandmother. Check you and... Billy model this so very well. And I just thank you so much for taking the time to come by and talk with us today. And for our listeners that want more information on how to connect with you on our program notes, uh, there'll be information or you can Google a chosen generation, but thank you so much. And if we could just have a word of prayer, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time today with Chuck. Thank you for a man that serves you passionately and loves his wife so dearly. And I pray, God, that you will help this podcast today to inspire all of us to be more proactive in sharing our faith and your love with this very lost world. We love you, Jesus, so very much. Amen. 
Thank you for listening to the Yes podcast. If you are interested in getting involved with Yes or would simply like more information about this ministry, we welcome you to visit our website at yes2serve.org.